Welcome again, I'm Judy DL and I'm a radioactive cockroach. Now if this is your first visit to Radioactive Cockroach, you deserve a bit of an explanation about that identity. Those of us who live with the impact of sexual assault know what it is to feel a little bit cockroachy, like we should just scuttle back under the fridge. We also know what it's like to feel a bit radioactive, that people might recoil from us, like we can maybe cause some kind of unseen harm. But we are also, as radioactive cockroaches, the ultimate survivors. Well now, we're looking around us. Goodness me. Our mojo seems to be back. Oh, I remember. Stutzo and I, to be honest, have had a tricky few months to unpack. Is it May already? Real life overtook. Us. What the hell? We simply had to pull our horns in. Oh, so tired. Stutzo's health needed sorting. Take it easy. And my cockroach processors kicked in. Oh, it's the worst. Stutzo is pleased to be Mike in hand, doing comedy gigs again. She's killing them. And to my surprise, I can feel the appeal of hours and hours of sound. Love these headphones. The truth is we've had to tag team team not to turn up in town. Oh, she sends her apologies. We've checked in, listened and counselled that it's a good idea to write things down. Check your diary. We've taken our meds. We've got out of bed and the lawyers are doing their stuff. Check your emails. We can't complain, oh, but go ahead. we want to explain and that things really have been a bit rough. Get but your blood tests. It turns out we're made of tough stuff. Now, where were we? And here we are, post, post lockdown, but still in the midst of the pandemic, but we are in the one room. Hooray, hooray, hooray. <laughs> opposite me and she's not on a screen. In fact, let's give an audible high five. Excellent. Yeah, quite an echo acoustic <laughs> in here, so that worked. <laughs> and now it's time for the Alan Stutzer. Happy to be wrong by a year. <laughs> Somewhere you missed a decade. <laughs> now, I missed a decade in telling Judy some really good news. Um, and that is that I, I have did mention in one of my earlier podcasts that I wrote a play and it's called 
Um, I can't remember. It's called radioactive cockroach. cockroach. Oh, that's right. That's what we do here, isn't it? Yeah, so it's called radioactive cockroach. And um, I have had an email from La Mama, which is uh, it's just it's really good. It's it, a theatre for startup. Yeah, it's, it's, start it's, 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 it's fabulous, and they've said they're going to schedule me for next year, which. I'm told it's 2022, not what I was. I said before I turned the microphone on. <laughs> <laughs> I was a decade out. <laughs> I darken me. Um, so, look, I can write a play about my experience, and I have, but I can't say who did it or under what auspice or in what building or anything um, because that would be publishing Yes, and uh, that that yeah. that is the good thing about make believe. The make about make believe, uh, make believe really got me through. Know it's only make believe. Um, you know, truth telling and so on. But who was going to be a witness? Absolutely no one. So I took this imaginary film crew with me <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I'd say, right, chaps, we're heading off to the police now. Okay, let's do it. And I take this imaginary film crew with me and I've incorporated aspects of that internal experience into the play. But, yeah, whenever anything gets stressful around processes or anything like that, the film crew moves in and and I choose which... If you were going to have a film crew documenting something in your... Oh, you've done this. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Judy yes. has actually had a film crew document her experience of becoming a comedian. Yes. And you can find this on YouTube and it's called Is This Thing On? Also available on iTunes. Oh, and it's on <laughs> iTunes. So we're going to push that. Judy, you made that at a difficult time in your life, didn't you? you I went, did, yeah. yes. And the difficulties are kind of what led you into it. You needed something new. I'd not long lost my husband and I just... Needed something different, something new, and so I thought, like an idiot, I thought, I'll be a comedian. You saw some ad for people to be start-up comedians. In a, like a reality TV a slash, reality TV slash documentary. documentary. Yeah, with a really nice guy. Yes, uh, Mr Greg Fleet, who was my uh, one of my mentors in the show and has since become... A pretty good friend. The audience isn't there to hate you. The audience is there because they want to have a good time. And if you're having a good time, they'll have a good time. If you're enjoying yourself, the audience will enjoy themselves. That's the basic bottom line of comedy. If you're freaking out, it'll make them uncomfortable. But uh, this is where you can end up. You know, you could end up here. And the person, the comedian that, that kind of led you through it as well with everyone, he's like the big MC. Oh, Mr Glyn Nicholas yeah. from uh, Wonderful Adelaide. When people are laughing, there's, we, we open ourselves up, don't we? It's almost a spiritual thing. I often talk about the stage being a sort of a sacred space in a funny kind of way because it is special. What we're going to just try and do this week is just to sort of make you more comfortable being in that place and being able to tell your story or your your anecdotes or whatever it is. Glyn's natural ease and gentle nature soon has everyone focused and feeling comfortable within the space. Watching his work, he has just always seemed like the nicest guy. Uh, he's a lovely man and, and he's 
particularly lovely when I, the first time I went to get up on stage, I tripped and fell and luckily the camera wasn't on so oh. it never made it to screen but just about crushed poor Glenn Nicholas <laughs> as he tried to catch me <laughs> and that is my, my claim to fame, that and uh, I got to busk. Uh, in Chapel Street. And you talked about that in our Judy Small I did. episode. You sang This is a Song for the Roly Poly People. Yes. So you know what it's like to, to have a film crew following you around. I imagine I know what it looks like. But, you know, if I hadn't chosen to take Richard Iowadi with me most, most places, because I really like Gadget Man and, and the one where he goes away for weekends. And Yeah, who I, doesn't? I really like his public persona, so he um, he helped me out quite a lot. Oh, I might have taken Glenn Nicholas, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, he'd he'd be just a really great person to have. He's just genuinely funny when he's not on stage, but just kind. Yeah, thoughtful. Kind. We're really into kind. In a world where you can be anything, I'll be kind to you. So, Judy, we've got a podcast. We do. Isn't that what we're doing now? It is what we're doing, and it takes quite a bit of doing. Does. Yeah, and I've got this sort of website that I've really not done very well, and I've got to pull it down and get lots of... Anyway, um, and there's lots of editing, and there's... We just wondered if there are any cockroaches out there... Who would like to be part of a podcast crew or team or feel you'd like to contribute or be on or edit or make music or interview somebody? Whatever. Um, Run a website. Might be a cockroach out there thinking, oh, being part of an imaginary film crew in a play about Judy DL's inner journey at La Mama, I want to be part of that. Well, you know, I'm looking for a crew. So you could be a podcasted cockroach or you could come and help me with Radioactive Cockroach at La Mama and go to iTunes and see Judy Starts in Is This Thing On? Yeah. She's not robotic. Not at all. <laughs> the agenda. My name is Glyn, G-L-Y-N-N. If you call me Glenn, I will kill you. I'm currently living in Adelaide. I really enjoy doing the tango. I'm Judy. I'm from Keelwell and I like computer games. Now, Judy, I remember day one, I, I said I think the word was robotic. Um, I haven't seen any change. With half an hour before uh, showtime, I'm still a little bit concerned um, about Judy. She said before she's feeling confident, but I'm not getting a lot of positive vibe. It'll be interesting to see what it's like when people are clapping and she's walking up to stage, because that will be the defining moment for Judy, I think. Next up, Judy Stoltz. I met this man, and he was handsome, and he was funny, and he was a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that he was a dickhead was that he was a bit of a daredevil. So anyway, one day he said to me, how about we learn how to skydive together? And I thought, I hate heights. I don't get in a plane. I don't wear high heels, but he's cute. Despite Stephen Apron's concerns, Judy was smashing it. 
You can be cockroaches, podcasting cockroaches, research and interviews, website and editing. Drop us a line with any suggestions at judycockroach at gmail.com. We'll meet you for a chat, real life in Melbourne or Zoom or the phone. To be part of the team, you just have to be keen. You can do it from home. Think about it. You know it's a good idea. You've got a point of view. You've got an insight. It's yours. You can own it and share it. Enjoy it. Come and be cockroaches, podcasting cockroaches. Go and email us now. That's judycockroach at gmail.com. J-U-D-Y-C-O-C-K-R-O-A-C-H, all lowercase. judycockroach at gmail.com. Just do it. And we just want to provide you with the added reassurance that it's a good idea to contact us because we understand how important it is not only to present accurate, true stories, but also to protect the identity of some people who tell them. So if you were to look at my birth certificate, marriage certificate or credit card, you would not find the name Judy. Judy Stutz and I thought that Judy, Judy, Judy would be funny and a good way to introduce interviews with other Judys. DL? There are a lot of reasons why I like the name DL, but, you know, that it could be a vehicle for a little joke, a pun on a 1990s TV show. Yeah, that counted as well. Now it's time for DL and Stutzer. So we take protection of identity as seriously as we take telling the truth. All our interviewees have the option of listening to the final edit before we upload. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court required that Justice Andrew Tinney hear the entire episodes in context to make sure that there was nothing untoward that would reflect badly on the court and I had to pass it through the Supreme Court media unit. I am perfectly happy to comply with these things. Your identity is your identity and the truth of your story and the validity of your point of view can be represented accurately and generously without revealing you publicly. And now, cockroaches, it's time for our tip of the day, or tip of the week, tip of the episode. Anyway, it's time to take a tip from us. Take a little tip from Mr. Johnny Green. Recently, I went to the dentist. I don't like it. Like my mate John, I grew up in the olden days that inspired this song. From the little shop of horrors. You'll find a way to make your natural tendencies pay. You'll be a dentist. You have a talent for causing things. He was a good Catholic schoolboy and used to pray in the weeks leading up to his annual dental appointment. Please, please, God, if I'm destined to die soon, please, please, can it be before I go to the dentist? I think his dentist probably modelled his style on that scene in Marathon Man when Laurence Olivier tortures Dustin Hoffman in a really ritualised environment involving a dental chair and a drill. 
incredible. I had a marginally less scary dentist, so I learned to cope. But when I went recently to the dentist, something happened that hadn't before. I had a reaction to the anaesthetic. Dental local anaesthetics have adrenaline in them to contract the capillaries and so confine the numbing effect to the jaw. Occasionally, as happened to me, the adrenaline effect goes a bit further. My teeth chattered, my hands shook and my pulse raced, inducing the effects of a panic attack. My dentist and the attending nurse were unsurprised and kind and with their support and some effort I was able to persist with the treatment. I hummed to soothe myself and the nurse joined in. But I was very tired afterwards. My friend said, Ah, yeah, am I familiar with the work of Dr Sharon Zacks on dentistry and trauma? Well, I wasn't, but I am now. So I took a deep dive into everything Dr Sharon Zacks has online and I accessed much information that was new to me, including the fact that she practices in my region, here, Jajarang country, in the Macedon Ranges and Spa region of central Victoria. I discovered that us cockroaches, unsurprisingly when you think about it, have particular issues with dentistry. I wish I'd known and understood. So, go to YouTube and find Sharon Zach's TED Talk, then segue into her YouTube series. Or go to her website and follow the links. It's not hard. You know you want to. When we take our sensitive mouths to a dentist, we become really vulnerable just to allow it to happen. The dentist has the knowledge. Often we can't see problems or what's being done. We can't really move or speak. And we lose more control when we're numb. If dentistry is hard enough for the average person, just imagine what it might be like for someone who's already had their trust broken and their agency taken away. For survivors of trauma, Feeling helpless again is a trigger for memories to flood back. The body holds its own memory of trauma and the dental environment is full of triggers for memories because of the parallels it has with particular kinds of trauma and especially the power imbalance. It's possible you're like me and that you'll look back on your dental health journey with more compassion and forgiveness. And maybe you'll even stop channeling Pam ears and stop saying, Oh, I wish I'd looked after me tea. <laughs> That's Dr. Sharon Zacks, S-H-A-R-O-N-E-Z-A-K-S. And now, cockroaches, it's time to look at processes. It's time to step into the spotlight. Somebody should have that spotlight. Spotlights ain't nothing but... 
Yeah, that spotlight is nothing but jive, whatever that means. But it does mean that we don't like it much. We find the spotlight, which is when we go processy, when we make disclosures, when we go to the courts, the police, whatever. We find it a little bit shriveling. Today, I'm going to be looking at some of the Victorian statutes and guidelines and court processes. And I'm going to do that in the context of something that I used to enjoy. Um, it's a little bit of an extract from an episode of Rumpole. Rumpole of the Bailey. Rumpole is a, a character. He's a fictional character invented by John Mortimer, a long-serving junior barrister, an old Bailey hack in the courts of London. I used to really enjoy them. And I remembered that there'd been a pretty obnoxious episode where he cross-examined on behalf of his client a complainant in a rape case and he did it peculiarly obnoxiously. Well, I've tracked it down and I've used that as a bit of a springboard to interpose the more recent guidelines, understanding and changes that have been brought and are trying to be brought but this is by way of a big content warning. It's an extraordinary bit of theatre, this bit of cross-examination, and it's really nasty. So don't come near it if you don't want to. Skip to the last five or ten minutes of the podcast. It's really nice. It's a lovely song. I miss Bridget Evans. This, um, this incident involving Mr. Aspen took place at uh, 11.30 on the Wednesday night. I don't know. I wasn't watching the clock. Uh, at about 11.30. After everyone had gone home, yes. Yes, when all the witnesses had conveniently departed. There was no one there to establish my client's innocence. No. Uh, when it was uh, all over, what did you do? I went home. You went home, you went quietly to bed, no doubt went to sleep. I didn't sleep very much, actually. A crime had been committed. A serious and a terrible crime. You went home, tucked yourself up in bed, and went to sleep. And you said not one word about it to the police until 6.30pm the following day. Uh, he's using the old Alhambra cinema technique. When you, uh, when you went to bed, did you go alone? I don't see what that's got to do with it. Did you go to bed alone? I told you. I went to bed. Ms. Evans, I shall ask you the question again, and I shall go on asking it all night, if necessary, in the interest of my client. Did you go to bed alone? Do I have to answer that sort of question, my lord? Yes, you do, and my lord will so direct. Section 7 of the Jury Directions Act 2015 requires a judge to correct any statement or suggestion by counsel that is prohibited by that Act. This may cover suggestions such as there is one typical response to being sexual assaulted, people who are not consenting would physically resist, a complainant is less reliable because they delayed in making a complaint. The court considers that a similar requirement for correction may be appropriate in the context of improper and irrelevant questions more generally. The correction take the form of a jury direction requiring the judge to do more than simply tell the jury to disregard the question. To ensure the integrity and fairness of the trial, the judge could be required to explain why the question is improper 
or has no relevance to the matters in issue. Perhaps if you were to answer Mr. Rumpel's questions shortly, you would be out of that box quite quickly and your painful experience would be over. Oh, no, Sam. She'll be there for a while. Not five years, perhaps, but a little while. Well? Yes. I went to bed alone. Thank you. How long had that been going on? How long had what been going on, Mr. Rumpel? That the witness had taken to sleeping alone, my lord. You were no longer friendly then with Mr. Paul Etherington. Paul and I, we split about two years ago, if you want to know the truth. Yes, I do want to know the truth, Miss Evans. I'm sure the ladies and gentlemen of the jury want to... Mr. Rumpel. My lord. Is it going to help us to know about this young lady and Paul? Paul Etherington, my lord. He was the parliamentary agent. Yes. I'm anxious not to keep this witness any longer than necessary. I do understand, my lord. It must be most unpleasant. But not as unpleasant as five years in the nick. But I do have my duty to do. And a couple of refreshers to earn. <laughs> so, you had been uh, living with Mr. Etherington for two years before you parted? Yes. And, uh, so you were 18 when you first started to live together? Just. Nearly 18. Yes. And before that? I was at school. Did you have lovers before, Paul? Yes. While you were still at school? How many? One or two. One or two, or three or four. How many? Or didn't they stay long enough to be counted? Mr. Rumpel. Oh, yes, my lord, I'm sorry. I apologize. Pure unnecessary comment. I withdraw it at once. Your Mr. Rumpel's doing us proud. Oh, his old hand has lost none of its cunning, my eyes. Courts must not admit evidence or allow any questions regarding the complainant's general reputation for chastity. Unless the court grants leave, the complainant must not be cross-examined and the court must not admit any evidence regarding the sexual activities of the complainant other than those relating to the offences charged. Evidence that the complainant was accustomed to engaging in sexual activities or had freely engaged in other sexual activity with the accused or another person is not admissible to support an inference that the complainant was the kind of person who is more likely to have consented to the sexual activity in the offence charged. When you had the abortion? I was 19. It was perfectly legal. Oh, yes, I know it was. I got a medical certificate, my lord. And uh, you were certified unfit for childbirth? I suppose so. Uh, but not uh, because of any physical defect. Uh, there was nothing the matter with you physically. Your certificate was, in fact, issued by a psychiatrist, was it not? That's quite normal. It was just impossible for Paul and I to have a child. He didn't want us to get married, and... And the psychiatrist certified you emotionally unstable. That's a shot in the bloody dark, but isn't that what psychiatrists always say? Something like that, yes. So, the jury in this case have to rely on the evidence of a young woman who has been certified emotionally unstable. And is it your emotional instability which has led you to invent a tissue of lies about my client? The court must disallow an improper question or improper questioning put to a witness in cross-examination or inform the witness that it need not be answered. That is misleading or confusing or is unduly annoying, harassing, intimidating, offensive, oppressive, 
humiliating or repetitive. Is put to the witness in a manner or tone that is belittling, insulting or otherwise inappropriate. Or has no basis other than a stereotype, for example, a stereotype based on the witness's sex, race, culture, ethnicity, age or mental, intellectual or physical disability. Well, what is the answer to Mr. Rampole's question? No, my lord. Three months ago you were rushed into hospital. You had taken a number of sleeping tablets. By accident? No. Then why? I told you. It was... I told you, I, I just parted from Paul and... Oh, come, Miss Evans, just think you had parted from Mr. Etherington a year before. It was... Um, I was all mixed up. Still being treated by your psychiatrist? Yes. For your mental state? I suppose so. And was it then that you met Mr. Aspen for the first time? Just about that time, yes. And fell in love with him? No. Became so obsessed with him, you were determined to pursue him at any cost to him or his family. Shall I tell you the truth? I didn't even like him. And that night, after you and Mr. Aspen had made love... Made love? Is that what you call it? He refused to leave his wife and children. We never discussed his wife and children! So what did you discuss? Politics? Counsel must not act as the mere mouthpiece of his or her client and must exercise independent forensic judgment. As independent officers of the court, counsel are under several distinct duties in respect of their behaviour in court. A duty of courtesy, duty not to mislead the court, duty not to misuse the privileges of counsel and duty to assist the court. These duties override the duty to the client. The barrister must comply with his or her duty to the court even if the client gives instructions to the contrary. Counsel must act with dignity and courtesy towards the court, witnesses and other parties. This behaviour is designed to promote the dignity of the trial process. I told you! There wasn't time to discuss anything! He was in a rage because he refused to leave his family! That you invented this charge to ruin him. You hated him so much. I don't hate him. Oh, really? Can it be you still in love with him? I never hated him. I tell you, I was, I was indifferent to him. So indifferent to him. You did that to his face. On the wall. Perhaps I... After. Before. Because you'd done that earlier in the evening, hadn't you? In one of your crazy fits of rage and jealousy. No. No. If your lordship pleases. <laughs> if anything you hear today, or anywhere else for that matter, raises worrying issues for you or for someone you love, we encourage you to call in Australia 1800 Respect. There's more information at the end of the show on our podcast feed and on our Facebook page. This episode of Rumpole is called Rumpole and the Honorary... Oh, not honorary. I'm sure that means you don't get paid, doesn't it? This guy was definitely paid. It's 
Rumpole and the Honourable Member. It involves a member of, of Parliament. Accused, quite plausibly, of rape. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll find an elderly John Mortimer giving a bit of analysis of it. What struck me was the depth of his misogyny. (laughs) This was all about the poor guy in power and how he was manipulated. He describes rape accusations as being easy to bring and difficult to defend. Clearly, he's read none of the statistics of the courts. So it's a bit of theatre written by a dinosaur about a dinosaur. The extracts that I have interspersed are drawn from official court guidelines, statutes and guidelines for barristers. These are all in the public domain and the links to them, so you can read them in full, are at the bottom of this podcast feed. Those guidelines are not being universally followed. In their submission to the Law Reform Commission of Victoria, the county court quotes the magistrate in the trial of Craig McLaughlin who said she wasn't assisted by questions about the average size of a woman's labia majora or indeed whether the actor who was being cross-examined was proud of her figure. However, Craig McLaughlin was very impressed. So I guess I have the question. How do we as a community hold powerful barristers to account when they manifestly ignore their primary duty to the court and to justice? as opposed simply to their perception of their duty to their client, which seems to include providing a kind of punitive catharsis. The court is not assisted. Justice most certainly is not. I keep being reassured there aren't many of them around anymore. Not many would still seem to me to be too many. If you, like me, are interested in the detail of some of these documents that I've alluded to, but, like me, find it hard to read. It was a huge grief to me to find that the stress of going through processes robbed me of the joy of reading. I could no longer fall asleep easily with a book in my hand. I could no longer really engage with a, with a tricky text. I found it difficult to read anything I hadn't read before. I then discovered that I could listen, so I became a bit of a devotee of podcasts and also of audio books, hence becoming a podcaster. So if you are interested in these things, I've gone to the extraordinary lengths of reading them aloud. And there's going to be a twin podcast goes up with this one. It's still called Radioactive Cockroach, but it's subtitled Judy DL reads stuff aloud. So I've read in some of these extraordinarily interesting yet quite wordy and dull legal documents and I've alternated them with readings of things that I really like, just bits and pieces. So Judy DL reads stuff aloud. If when you hear this podcast you can't see Judy DL reads stuff on your podcast feed, fear not. You're just really prompt. Give me a break. It'll be there in a day or two. Cheers. Close your eyes. Listen. 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 
Okay, cockroaches, it's time to finish now with long-time Central Victorian folk artist, Faye White. I first heard Faye at La Boite sharing the bill with Judy Small. Cockroaches will remember Judy Small from Series 1. It was a good night. I was very moved by this song, sitting there for years, delivered in Faye's gentle style, but even this song could raise issues for you, so remember to access help if you need it. 1-800-RESPECT in Australia. The Samaritans on 11 in the UK. And in the US, 1-800-273-TALK. These and other resources are on our Facebook page and podcast feed. Faye wrote this song celebrating, kind of ironically at times, her journey through depression via good old-fashioned talk therapy. We have so many more options available to us now than Faye had when she wrote this song. A good overview of contemporary evidence-based therapeutic options for survivors of trauma, especially sexual trauma, is The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind and Body in the Healing of Trauma. That's by Bessel van der Kolk, B-E-S-S-E-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-K-O-L-K. It's a bestseller. I've been listening to the audiobook a bit at a time. When I'm feeling strong, when I'm feeling okay and not too soon before bedtime. I pulled this little tribute to Faye's journey through depression via good old-fashioned talk therapy with a skilled therapist from my vinyl recording of her early album Sink or Sing. You can still buy it on her CD Sweet Journey via her website faywhitemusic.com That's F-A-Y-W-H-I-T-E-M-U-S-I-C dot com So here's Sitting There for Years Soothing and Honest Take care Talk to your mates Sleep well when you can And take it easy Listening to the secret combination of your safe safe, these are 
letting you be free And you hate him cause he hurts you By what he makes you see Truth is his knife But he hands it to you to choose if you will cut out the cancers that are blocking up your life. Where of the waters in which you were drowning, rowing upstream, he spends his days going up streams. He will throw you a lifeline, teach you how to swim, but he won't dive in to rescue you. Your rushing rapids won't drown. Gradually 